Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Wonderland, it's not about me, actually, strangely enough, and it's not about Alice in Wonderland, although we thought about calling, if we'd had a, a girl, we've got three boys, me and the lovely Mrs. Land, she's a Wonderland, very patient, and if we'd had a girl, then her sixth form class wondered about maybe we should call her Alison Wanda. We didn't have a girl, so she was saved from that. Thank you, God. Uh, but it's, it's looking at um, the, the whole issue of what do, when you wonder, how do you get through that? What, what is your reference? On the video clip, he was talking about how a, a frame of reference helps us to peer through and ask questions. What is that about? Uh, and, and try and find an understanding. And he talked about that frame of reference changing. Now, Steve, when he was doing part one, this is part two of the talk, Wonderland, uh, he, he had a lovely frame that, that he, he gathered from here, and it was about yay big, and he broke it. I feel he did that on purpose, but obviously that's for him to decide, and it's on his conscience. So that leaves me then with the frame <laughs> to work with, to peer through. This is my frame of reference. It's very good. Because that frame of reference might be, I suppose, our level of understanding about a particular subject. So my son, one of them, has got a marvellous frame of reference on media. Another one's got a great frame of reference on science, and their frame of reference is bigger than mine because I don't really care. Um, and then there's another who's got a frame of reference of how to go to hospital on a regular basis. Uh, that one involved me a little bit more. But, but our frame of reference can change, I think. That's where, and in trying to understand this whole thing about frame of reference and understanding, that's the conclusion I've come to. Our frame of reference can grow and shrink, and this is a fun size, small frame of reference. And it might be that the window is our experience, and our experience might lead us to have a lovely, clear glance at the people that we're staring at now, and it might be that it's very smudged, it might be that it's very cracked, it's damaged, and that will influence what you see on the other side. I'm sure you've done that, where you're looking through a window and you're thinking, oh, I don't know, is that outside or is that on the window? And, and you, not that you think too much about that, but it, this is a perfect size, really, because you've, who's been on it? This is, I'm going to ask you a question now, and, and what you're going to do is you're going to get involved, because there's one of me and a lot of you, and this is how I find my comfort. So, so I'm going to ask, has anybody been on an aeroplane? You can put your hand up if you like. That's fine, that's fine. One or two of you now. There you go. Well done, well done. So quite a few of you have been on aeroplanes, and an aeroplane, the window is about this size. But you know when you're up in the air that the world's got to be a little bit bigger than this. But this is the frame of reference you have. And if you get close to the window, then it might be that you can see something lovely, but the further you are from the window, the less you see. And I suppose what we're trying to think about is, when we're thinking about God... How close are we to the window? How big is our frame of reference, our understanding? Because here's a tricky thing. If God is infinite, I think that's quite large. If God is immeasurable, and there's a bit in the Bible where it talks about you know, how you can't go high, you can't go deep enough to the wide, left, right, whichever way you go, you're just not going to reach God. So it really doesn't matter how big your frame of reference is, whether it's fun size like mine or whether it's vast, 
you're still not going to see enough of God to understand him. And what is God like for you? When you think about him, is he... I'll put my frame of reference down now. I'm not allowed over that line. Ben said, my Ben said, don't go over the line. So when you're thinking about God, what is he like as a father? Is he, is he a good father? Is he, is he tyrannical? Is he harsh and very disciplinarian? Or is he generous and thoughtful? When you try and understand God and you're, you're peering and you're asking those questions, what is God like? Is he loving? You know, is he fickle? Do you find yourself regularly believing that you've been thrown out or brought in? Are you eating the scraps from the king's table? Or are you feasting on a banquet that you shouldn't be, but he says, have it all anyway because I love you. I don't know what God is like for you. But, but that's, the, that's the question that we're going to ask and try and help you get a little bit of a thought and a little bit of a, an understanding and what we're going to do is, Steve finished his talk looking at some verses that I really, really love. So I was very grateful for that. And they're from uh, the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, and from a book called Hebrews. I'm doing all of that because I'm sure when Steve read, uh, listens to the talk, he'll just be thinking, when Johnny talked about the Bible, did he say two parts, New Testament, books in the Bible, what kind of business? So, so hopefully I'll get some ticks in the right places. Uh, and, and in this book called Hebrews, which I think was written to a tribe of men that make tea bags. <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but I, but I think that's true. And, and he's written, he's written and it's a, a very encouraging letter, because he's, he's trying to help them and, and encourage them, which is why it's an encouraging letter. And, and in, it, in, in chapter 12, it says this. Uh, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because this is, this is the bit that, that I get wrong quite often. So I'll make that, that's my little confession to you. And it's this, if you look past Jesus, if you stop short of Jesus or take your eyes off Jesus, you may miss the Father, and confuse something else with the Christian faith. And I have done that so many times. If you look past Jesus, if you stop short of Jesus, or take your eyes off Jesus, you may miss the Father and confuse something else with the Christian faith. Our focus is always going to be on Jesus. And I'm going to explore a little bit about that. And I don't know what Jesus is like for you. Now, as it happens, uh, you are blessed. Because I have uh, found... Uh, a clip of Jesus. Uh, now, obviously, I do need you to bear in mind that 2,000 years ago, you know, video wasn't as strong or as clear as it is today. So it is quite a rough-looking copy, but in its time, it was state-of-the-art. The camera was about 10 foot, probably. Uh, and so I want you to enjoy this, and I'd like you to consider, is this Jesus for you? Do you think he can fly... Here he comes. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. 
Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you... I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. <laughs> Philip, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. And Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. Look at all these sinners. All right, listen up. Listen to me. I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this. You're all evil. There is no hope. That's it. Thank you. Okay. So it's audience participation time, uh, congregation participation time. Uh, so what, what, what? What was Jesus like in that clip for you? This is where you can answer me back. Use polite words. Rubbish. Excellent. Nice. Nice start there. He was rubbish, Jesus. Anything else? Insensitive, was that? Insensitive, Jesus? Yes. Brutal. Okay. Yeah. I'll take one more. One more. Judgmental. Okay. And that is that the Jesus that we know? I don't think. It's not the Jesus I, I recognize at all. And if that was Jesus, then I really wouldn't be here now and I wouldn't be interested in, in Jesus. So that's not Jesus. That's somebody pointing out that very often, however, the church still sees Jesus that way. But that's not Jesus at all. And if you wanted to get to know me, then how would, and you weren't going to meet me, how would you do that? A little question here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask some fairy helpers to come up on the stage. Don't worry, they'll already be pre-warned, so you can relax, the rest of you. But Ben and Joe, if you would like to, not Big Ben now, but the other Ben, Media Ben, if you'd like to come on stage. So these are, the, these are two of my boys, boys. And uh, if you were going to get to know me, you might ask some random person, and they might say, well, Johnny, he can be a bit lively. You're going to come and stand over here, Joey. And then, uh, and, and, uh, and you might then choose to ask my wife, and she might say, yes, Johnny, he can be a bit lively, but she'll have a bit more despair in her eyes when she says that. Um, and, then, and then you could, you could ask my boys. So this is, this is Joe, and then this is Ben, and then Sam, if you'd like to come in, please. <clears throat> and so what we'll do is we'll, we'll just shuffle up here. And, and then there's Sam. Okay, so physically... If you were going to get to know me, you wouldn't necessarily know me by Sam. <laughs> now, they're all handsome boys, and I'd understand that that's the thing that you're looking at, and then that is like Johnny, you know, I'll get that, you know, but because, 
Because, but then, you know, and then there's Sam, who's unreasonably tall, but genuinely is mine. Uh, <laughs> and if you wanted to get to know me through them, then it's not by the looks, because there's no point in looking at them and thinking, hey, what handsome chaps, but that doesn't help me get to know Johnny. So you might get to know them, and by getting to know them, you might start to realise that they carry some of my values, some of the things that I like, some of the songs that I listen to, a lot of the songs that I listen to, the films that I enjoy, the way that I speak. And then that way you might get to know me a lot better. So it's not how they look that you get to know me, but it's in getting to know them you get to know me. Round of applause, please, for the, for the Righteous Brothers. You can go and sit down now. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. You've done a wonderful job. Yeah, go away. <clears throat> and in getting to know God, then, I would say that we need to find the real Jesus. And in, in recognising the real Jesus, then we're going to start getting an idea of what God is like. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, then, he becomes the perspective that we need in order to be able to identify and answer some of those questions. What is God like how does he treat the people around him? We get to know God through relationship then. It's not what he looks like, but it's through a relationship that we get to know God. But it's a supernatural relationship, which is really quite tricky. And, and we get to know God perhaps through, through churches, through the people that we meet that would say that they are Christians. But the problem with that is that it's a risky thing because that could bring dodgy frames and dirty windows. I've, I've known a lot of churches that actually really, really don't represent God. So if I'm looking at a church and hoping that church will show me what God is like, then I'm going to be disappointed. I've, I've met a lot of people who had care over me and supported me in theory, but then suddenly turned against me and they treated me the way that that Jesus was treating his disciples. So I'm not going to find God through those people either. So the only way we're really going to focus and get to know God is through Jesus. And we're going to go back to that thing. If you look past Jesus, if you stop short of Jesus, or you take your eyes off Jesus, you may miss the Father and confuse something else for the Christian faith. There's a great bit in the Bible, still in the New Testament, ticking that box, and I think it's the first, no, it's not. I will go, it's the fourth, 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 fourth gospel. Got there in the end. Uh, book about Jesus, John, and Jesus is having a chat to his disciples, but a much healthier chat than the one we had earlier on. And he says this, Jesus um, is talking to his disciples and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, then you would have known who my father is, and from now on you do know him and have seen him. And then one of his disciples, Philip, says, Sir, just show us the father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replies, Don't you even yet know who I am, Philip? Even after all this time I've been with you, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking to see him? Moving on to the next bit. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but are from my Father who lives in me. He who does his work through me. I think there's another bit after that as well. Marvellous. So just believe it that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe it because of the miracles you have seen me do. 
So Jesus is making it really, really clear, and he's being a bit bold about this, but why wouldn't he? I am God, is what he's saying. And if you want to know what God is like, then just look at me, because the characteristic, the way that I'm treating people, the way that I'm working with people, the way that I am loving people, that's what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, and you're... Oh, easy, tiger. And you're... And your window of reference is really rather small and you're struggling and you're still not sure what, Je- what God is like. Well, then look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus because he is God. He is the perfect frame, the clearest window without stain, chip or blemish. If you want to know what God is like, it starts and it finishes with who is Jesus. And that's the thing that I've often struggled with. When I've struggled... In my walk with God, in my relationship, I've often found it really difficult. And when I do, that's because I've taken my eyes off Jesus. I have stopped looking. I've fallen short of looking at him. I've gone wide of looking at him. I'm starting to look at things around me. If you want to know what God thinks about us, what he thinks about you, then have a look at the person of Jesus. How did he treat the people around him? How did he treat uh, the prostitute? How did he treat the cheating tax collector? How did he treat the fancy pants rich person? How did he treat any of the people that he encountered? How did he treat the children? I think you'll find when you have a look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, in the New Testament, there's another tip box, you'll find that every single time Jesus receives everyone who comes to him with love, with unconditional love. So that's why we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because I know that sometimes, have you done that when you're looking in a mirror? I know you have. And it, you know, you're not, not in the mirror, but you're looking in a window and it's a bit like a mirror. And then you're just kind of checking yourself out. But I look in a mirror or I look in the reflection of a window and often I check out who I am and I don't like what I see. That's the truth. And what I want to do is not judge God by my standards or your standards Love you as much as I do, but your standards still aren't like Jesus. But it's looking at Jesus, fixing our eyes on him. So we fix our eyes on Jesus because he is perspective for us. Another reason for fixing our eyes on Jesus is because he provides comfort. There is a great story in the Bible. Uh, again, Jesus is with his disciples, and he has just finished a very, very heavy day where he's fed 5,000 people, a bit like coming to school here now. And And at the end of the day, he wants to withdraw and recharge his batteries by spending intimate time with his father. Good plan. What he says to the disciples is, I tell you what, chaps, what I want you to do is I want you to take the boat and go over to the other side of the lake. He often did this. And and off they went on the boat whilst he then stayed back and spent quality time with God. And then, as usual, gets a bit windy, gets a bit wavy, gets rough. And the disciples are thinking, well, how's Jesus going to catch up with us now? And then one of them spots him. And they discuss, well, is this Jesus walking on the water, as you can naturally do? Or is this a ghost? And of course, that's a natural observation. Of course, it's going to be a ghost. But Peter says, OK, if, if, if that's you, Jesus, can you invite me to come on down onto the water with you? And I will walk on the water. I admire his courage. And that's exactly what happens. But the story goes on. Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on water towards Jesus. He's fixed his eyes on Jesus, and he's doing the supernatural thing because walking on water is a supernatural thing. If you've ever tried it, you'll find that it's really difficult to do. So he fixes his eyes on Jesus, and he's walking on the water, but then he gets distracted, 
And he starts thinking about the waves and the wind and the fact that he is walking on water and you don't normally do this. And because he gets distracted, he starts to sink. We're going to watch a a clip now. And it's from a film called The Shack based on a book called The Shack. And it's a scene where we've got a character called Mac who has suffered in his life. He's, He's... I'm going to say he's married, and that's not why he suffered, because I've got to be careful how I say that. So he is married, and he's got, he's got three, three children, but one of those children, his youngest daughter, uh, was abducted by a serial killer, and they never see her again. They do find her dress in a shack by a lake, and it changes Mac's life. He becomes a very bitter, angry man. He has no affection whatsoever for God, who his wife believes in. She calls God Papa, and that's quite an intimate name for God. And, and she has a real relationship with him. Mac is not interested until he gets a letter in his postbox from Papa saying, come back to the shack. I love it. When Peter is sinking, he's taking his eyes off Jesus and he's focusing on the natural. When Max having a crisis and he's remembering his past, they fix their eyes on Jesus. And, and that enables them to accomplish what was otherwise impossible. I don't know what it is that you struggle with. I don't know what your wind and your waves are. I don't know what it is that is the crisis that distracts you and, and causes you to, to take your eyes off Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But, but fixing your eyes on Jesus is quite a tricky thing. And uh, as a, somebody who works with students who suffer from anxiety, as someone who struggled with anxiety myself, then I know that when you're, having a, when you're in a crisis, and especially for, for working with a student that's having a panic attack, then, then what they need is to refocus. And that refocusing, you know, it might be helping them to think about controlled breathing. It might be helping them to think about uh, using their imagination. But it's taking their mind off what's upsetting them, and it's bringing them back to a place of safety. And that, I love the scene where, where Mac just finds himself in a place of safety. And that's what we do. So when we fix our eyes on Jesus, I don't know how you do that. I know I do that. I'll read the Bible. Sometimes I'm really good at it. Sometimes I'm really naff. I loved reading my, well, when I say reading my Bible when I go on a bike ride, that's quite dangerous. So let me qualify that. I used to have a bag, now I just have a phone, and, and I've got a bit of the Bible, and as I'm going on it for a long old ride, then I've got a particular chunk. It might be a bit that, the, you know, my Bible app is thrown in my face. And, and then, I, then I, I, I think about that for a while. Those verses, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of God. I know those so well because those are verses that I think were in my pannier bag when I'm cycling and going out for hours at an end for weeks. And I remember once having a moment where I'm, I'm being all inspired and thinking, oh, this is brilliant. And I really felt like the thought come into my head. It was like Jesus saying, well, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind coming on your rides with you sometimes. 
You know, rather than you just getting all excited about something you're reading, just take me with you. That'd be really great. I thought that'd be weird. Me and Jesus on a tandem. But then my, there goes my imagination. I'm on a tandem with Jesus. And then I feel like the Holy Spirit, God's supernatural part of him, says, well, I would like to be part of those rides, Johnny, if you wouldn't mind. You know, if Jesus is coming, I want to be there too. So I'm thinking, oh, okay. So there's me and there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit on a three-person bike. What do you call that? Tridom? And then, and then the most extraordinary thought was then God, the Father, just saying, well, look, I don't want to be left out. You know, you've got my son, my Holy Spirit. You're there. I would like to join you. And it was an, a, an extraordinary moment when I'm thinking, why would God want to go on a bike ride with me? And he would want to because he loves me more than I love myself, and that's a fact. And that's why we fix our eyes on Jesus because our love for ourselves isn't strong enough and our, our experiences doesn't make us necessarily strong enough. But, but when we fix our eyes on Jesus, then we find ourselves in a place where we are building a supernatural relationship that is based on Jesus and who he is. It might be you choose to find one of those Gospels. And if you're thinking, I don't really know how to fix my eyes on Jesus at the end of this service, then there'll be people you are welcome to chat to, and they might recommend a bit of the Bible for you to read, a story in the Bible that just take your time over it, chew over it, don't swallow it as quickly as Sam eats his food, but enjoy it and think about what is this saying when you read about Jesus, what is God saying to you, how much he loves you unconditionally, it doesn't matter how many times you let him down or fail him, it's an eternal, infinite love. Bigger than any frame of reference you can find. So, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, he is our true perspective. I've remembered now to ask the band to come on just at the last minute. Jesus is the perspective, not me, not you, not this church, not someone else's church. I will find God through Jesus, but we will encourage each other and we will love each other because Jesus says we have to and because it's really lovely to be loved by people. But ultimately, we fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the most accurate perspective of what God is like and... Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you do not grow weary and lose heart. He is our constant comfort. I'm just going to pray. I want to thank you, Jesus, uh, that you were with us and have been with us and are still with us. Uh, and I want to thank you that you have uh, talked to us, uh, whether it's through song, whether it's through the Bible, whether it's through me, uh, I believe that you are more than able to use each one of us to inspire us. And I, I would like to ask that you continue to let those thoughts, those ideas take seed in our mind and, and that they would grow into an opportunity where we can come and spend quality time with you and build that supernatural relationship that isn't based on our performance, but is purely based on who you are and what you have done for us and that you unconditionally love us. Thank you so much. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.